Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome to Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Edit, a lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, we're chatting all sorts of news and notes about international football, NWSL news included. So before we take a deep dive into everything, uh, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we're also available on YouTube. Please subscribe to us right here at youtube.com slash attacking third, just to make sure you get all sorts of exclusive content, previews, recaps, and uh, anything else, especially those alerts for whenever we go live, because yes. you never want to miss out when we go live on A3. And we're back together, Lisa. We're doing this, me and you. How you doing this morning? No one else but me and you and everyone joining us live. Hi, everyone. Um, it's good to be here. Yeah, you got to get those alerts because um, we go live a lot and you want to make sure that you're here with us. Um, we stay live. We, we basically stay live. I mean, the season's around the corner. We're about to stay live. We're rolling out with our previews. We have another one tomorrow morning coming at everyone. We're doing every single team in the NWSL with previews. So stick around for that and, and stay tuned for your team. Um, but I am doing really good this morning, Sandra. I'm doing really, really good because yesterday Marquette basketball won the Big East it was fantastic. A win over Butler. First time ever that men's basketball has won the Big East Championship outright. Massive. Um, I, I believe blue and gold for my Marquette Golden Eagles. It's fantastic. Um, it's, it's a good day to be a Golden Eagle. Here to always support uh, the Golden Eagles. One of my f- favorite all-time Golden Eagles in uh, Dwayne Wade, followed by Jimmy Butler. Love, yes. love those icons. Love the program. So congrats to them. Yeah, thank you. And because I am the producer here at Attacking Third, I get to throw up graphics about Marquette on the screen today. Even though we're a women's soccer show, we're talking about Marquette basketball. No, I'm just kidding, everyone. But I just wanted to, you know, give a shout out to the boys because we, it's huge. We love uh, collegiate sports uh, mm-hmm. here. Look, you and I are just sports heads in general. We'll talk about anything related to sports um, when it comes to collegiate, professionally, whatever. Uh, so I love when we get to do a little crossover on the show. I love that. You were like, I got a little surprise. For you this morning. And I just reacted to that with everyone else live as well. So I love that Lisa surprised uh, all of us. Uh, let's, you know what? Let's pivot. Collegiate 
pro pro leagues, let's talk a little bit about some NWSL news that has dropped. Unfortunately, we have to talk about some injuries already coming out of preseason. Um, and you never like to talk about that kind of stuff, but it is news. Uh, Washington Spirit making the announcement uh, that Anna Helferty is going to be out for the remainder of the season uh, with an, after sustaining a knee injury, unfortunately. And Lisa, you and I actually were reacting to this mm-hmm. um, off mic a little bit. And we were just like, this sucks, man. Like just in a general like sentiment, but you know, obviously what it could mean for the spirit moving forward. Uh, We've been doing, uh, we've been banking some content for everyone uh, in terms of preseason stick around for that. It's coming. We've got a lot of great previews, team by team previews that are going to drop. And when we're, when we're looking back on the preseason and the off seasons for some of these teams, when we were talking about the Washington spirit, they were going to need to be like all hands on deck. Like every Mm -hmm. single person that they had on their roster was going to have to like buy in because there's a lot of new things for the spirit moving forward, even though they've got this great kind of young core, whether, you know, it includes like a Eddie Sullivan or Trinity Rodman and Ashley Sanchez. There's, there's still, this is a roster that we were looking at over the off season that we wanted to make sure that they fleshed out the roster because it was one of the the more narrow <laughs> rosters with personnel on it. So they've got a new head coach in Mark Parsons. They added new assistant coaches, technical staff, you know, Don Scott joining the side. Um, and we were like, great, this is this just means that all of these other new additions are going to come in here and have a great foundation to, to sort of hit the ground running. But Helfrey yeah. is one of these players that has been with the spirit already, you know, and maybe this was a player that might not have needed a little bit of transition, you know, in terms of already having some pro league experience. And now she's not going to be available for this team moving forward. Heartbreaking. I'm truly heartbroken for Anna Helferty. I mean, this is a player that um, came out of college and was a forward and then got converted to be an outside back and was a tremendous outside back for Washington Spirit. And then they would use her higher up the pitch. It was one of those situations where any game you would watch of Washington Spirit, it was like, all right, where's Helferty going to play today? Is she going to be on the left? Is she going to be on the right? Is she going to be in the front line, the back line? Is she going to be more of a wing back? player really such a Swiss army knife for Washington spirit playing in 21 of their 22 games last year in 2022. And now um, to hear this and, and this news coming out in the early days of preseason for this year from Helferty saying that she would not be available to play all year. I mean, truly heartbreaking. And I think it's something that is really going to hurt a team like Washington spirit. And, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get into the deep dive of the Washington spirit preview for this year. But yeah. this is, this has been a really consistent player for the spirit over the last couple of years. Um, and it's, it's just hard to see. She was on that NWSL championship team in 2021. Um, and she fought with them in 2022 on, on a, a year that wasn't the best for Washington spirit. Um, it's really, really hard to see and sad to see. I know as soon as you and I yeah. saw that news, I was like, no, Anna, like yeah. sad. I mean, I covered her when she was in college in Boston. Like I covered her collegiately. Um, just a great player, but there's also a little bit of injury coming out of Orlando yeah. Pride as well. Another young player, right? Yeah. That's also the really tough, tough thing about like kind of having to start the episode with yeah. kind of the injuries right off the back is that Carrie Lawrence is also out for Orlando Pride, uh, out for the season indefinitely, also with a knee injury. Um, again, <laughs> players, younger players that you, you think are going to look at and say these are going to be the future of these particular clubs and franchises, but now they're they're suffering these these injuries and 
they're going to lose out on a season, uh, you know, of development with with their team. So Carrie Lawrence, another one of these pieces for Orlando, um, and not not only that, like we're talking about Hefferty and how she's kind of versatile for for mm-hmm. the spirit, but Lawrence, someone that they looked to to perhaps try to build up within uh, their defensive shape. Uh, but now they're going to take that next step in 2023 without uh, a player like this as well. Yeah, super sad uh, when you look at a player like Lawrence um, contributed across the back line for Orlando last year. And this is an Orlando Pride team that's looking to build a little bit this year, continue to put those foundations down and have those building blocks. So it's just um, sad to see. So best wishes are with both of those players and every player dealing with injury and and the road to recovery. It seems long and dark and scary, but it's faster then you always think in the end of it all. So stick with your recovery. Um, listen to your doctors. Something I never did. So please do that. <laughs> no, Lisa. No. <laughs> Let's not turn this into one of those podcasts. Uh, no. Uh, look, we wanted to like sort of just rip the Band-Aid off, right? Before yeah. we went into to everything else uh, happening around NWSL. But let, we'll still stay with some Orlando Pride news, uh, but pivot to a, a little bit of difference. It's not injury related, but it is jersey related. So Orlando Pride recently announced uh, they've made some updates to the Luna Kit experience for Orlando Pride ahead of the 2023 season kicking off. Very, very cool of them to sort of acknowledge that people had a lot of feedback feedback on their initial Luna kit. It was cool. We talked to players about it when it dropped last year, uh, but it was tough to read on the games and on the screen. There was silver lettering, didn't exactly pop out, maybe perhaps in the way that they wanted to, but they changed up the, the, the lettering. They changed up the numbers, but not only that, they've also changed up the shorts uh, for the Luna kit experience moving forward. They spoke about the change to the dark shorts saying, in addition to new numbers, we will become the first NWSL team to update to dark shorts due to period concerns, continuing our investments in providing first class player experience and care. Uh, VP Haley Carter also saying improving performance and setting an example regarding inclusivity and accessibility to keep women, girls and menstruating non-binary and trans athletes in sport matters. So while this isn't the first club to, uh, you know, feature black shorts or dark shorts with a kit, uh, the very specific reasoning behind it, I think, is the first time we've seen a club in NWSL uh, talk about this particular reason. Um, we've also heard uh, Martha speak out on this new change as well. You know, this is someone who's been playing for a very long time, uh, both internationally and for various clubs around the globe. And she has mentioned how there have been moments, uh, you know, during her cycle where mm-hmm. she has felt like, you know, lack of confidence or, you know, going out there and playing in what could potentially be light shorts. So, you know, I love this from our I do too. I really do too. I mean, from a, a broadcaster's perspective, I'm so glad they changed the numbers. We could never see what was happening. I'm going to be really honest right there. From Lisa. <laughs> we could never see what was happening, uh, what players were doing what, just because of the coloring of the numbers on the back of the kits. Um, but I love this update because of that. Now you can easily see the numbers on the jersey. And yeah, I mean, I like the dark shorts and I like that Orlando didn't try to sugarcoat it. They were like, this was specific player feedback that we heard about a lack of confidence or an it, insecurities or uncertainty playing in light colored shorts and 
we're not going to sugarcoat it. This is why we made these changes. We're uh, a women's professional league, and, and we want to make sure that everyone, whether they're non-binary or trans, that is going through this feels like they can still play uh, during that time of the month. And I'm, I don't know. I liked it. That's why I throw it threw it in the rundown today. I was like, this is cool that Orlando's just – being very honest and transparent about the changes to their uniform this year. And I like it. They also, the NWSL is also changing the way that they're mandating how uniforms must be. It doesn't have to be a white and then like a color. It just has to be a light and a color, um, which is different. So I'm really excited to see kind of what other NWSL clubs roll out with their kits this year. It's always one of the more fun things we get to do here, like talk about kit fashion on the show. We love we love also this this phase of the season where it's like just close. It's still in preseason, but it's still just close enough to the regular season where you'll you'll start to hear and see some of the new kits uh, drop a little bit. We talked a little bit about Houston Dash and their Estrella kit already, and now we're talking about these upgrades to the Luna kit for Orlando. So I'm sure we'll see more drop uh, along the the pipeline. But I'm with you. It was cool to see that response from Nike as well. So I'm I'm hopeful for future kits. I don't know if this was uh, the change from Nike was was made in time to like maybe you know see that in 2023 but i hope we see some cool stuff this year and i i know we'll see some cool stuff uh next year in 2024 uh speaking of other cool stuff uh in the news some uh some sources have told insider gaming that nwsl will make its debut on fifa 23 so to shout out to all my gamers out there yeah. uh who are you know really big on fifa apparently nwsl is going to come to fifa 23 this month in march because happy march everyone it's officially march 1st uh as our time rabbit, yeah uh so the fact that the nwsl is going to be included as a new mode as early as apparently according to these sources either march 14th or march 15th so right within the next couple of weeks. Um, that is very cool. Uh, I, I'm excited to see uh, what that could look like. I'm also eager to see like <laughs> what it looks like because there was there was news around FIFA, the video game, um, you know, mm-hmm. talking about how EA Sports and FIFA are no longer going to partner with each other to, to produce these types of games. Uh, so earlier it said that, you know, FIFA, even though FIFA 23 is on track to become like one of their biggest titles in franchise history, that this is actually actually the last FIFA 23 or FIFA 23 is going to be the last title under that like decades long uh, gaming partnership between FIFA and EA Sports. So EA uh, Sports is actually going to rebrand. They're going to go to like EA Sports mm-hmm. FC. There's going to be more announcements to the game. So I'm curious to, to sort of see like how this looks. I'm, I'm grateful that they kind of figured it out and we're going to see NWSL and FIFA 23. So listen. I love that. I mean, first we get Sam Kerr on the cover of yep. FIFA 2023 or 23. And now we get NWSL teams coming into it. Um, I, I'm like so excited about this, honestly. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you before we we pivot to, to some things here. If if you uh, are, you know, you crack open that new that new game, right. you put it in your console, whatever, you download it, whatever, you fire it up. What is the first team that you're going to choose to play with in yeah. 2023? I mean, Sandra, you stole the words out of my mouth because I wanted to ask you this. I Full disclosure, I don't play FIFA that frequently. I don't play video games that frequently. However, if I'm playing a video game, I'm playing FIFA uh, 100%. And I love to be the women's teams. I play against my fiance. Don't, full disclosure, don't really know what I'm doing with the buttons. But with NWSL, 
and the teams coming out, I think the first team I would be is San Diego Wave or right. OL Rain right now. So right. the other thing is, and yeah, so that's those are the teams I would want to be right now. Right. What about you? If you're opening it, who are you going to play as? Come on, man. Look, you know I'm going with Chicago Red Stars, but I'm not that kind of player when it comes to FIFA 23. I mean, I'm, I'm going to fire up FIFA 23, you know, make sure I select Chicago Red Stars. And Tina Davidson is going to go on the most ridiculous going a goal scoring yes. in her entire life. Like, Tina Davidson is going to get, like, you know, 10 goals a game the, once, I change, <laughs> once I change the settings and, uh, you know, kind of go off on sickle mode there. But that's how I, I Amazing. kind of have fun with FIFA. I, I'm not – I. I'm not like some folks, out, some gamers out there who take it very seriously, career modes and all that. You just like to have fun with it. Yeah, let me just fire it up and have a little bit of fun. And uh, well, let us know, everyone that's joining us live, if you're listening as a podcast, if you get FIFA 23 and you play as an NWSL team, which club is going to be the first that you go to, the first that you're going to play as? Let us know in the comments on the live, um, on Twitter, just tweet at us. We, I want to know. I'm super curious. Yeah, me too. Uh, put a put a controller in the chat. Let us know if you're if you're a gamer. Put a controller in the chat. We want to know. All right, that's it for NWS, NWSL news for now. But we've still got some uh, news and notes to chat about internationally that we want to touch on in this episode. So don't go anywhere. Stay with us after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, let's chat a little bit about some international news uh, and not just any international news. We want to take a second to chat a bit about uh, the France Football Federation and the current state of France's uh, women's national team. Uh, there was some news that came out that we wanted to wait a little bit to touch on uh, because it sort of felt like everything that was occurring uh, was happening over the course of a cycle. We wanted to make sure that we had as much information in front of us before reacting to this essentially. But uh, last week there was a reaction to France football legend, in my opinion, uh, Wendy Renard and an announcement that she made in which she was going to step away from France's football team uh, due to a number of reasons. Um, she had put out, put out a statement um, saying that she just, unfortunately, as proud as she was to have represented France um, and worn the jersey, she just could not continue to be on the team in its current system and in its current state. Um, and it was devastating to, to hear that. For a number of reasons. Uh, number one, obviously, it's because it's it's 
freaking Wendy Bernard, probably yeah. one of the most prolific players in France football history, number one. Number two, this is months away. We're talking months away, five, really, from the World Cup. Um, and we're also talking about a, te a team that compared to some others within the landscape, I think there's a lot of uh, perception out there for some folks that when you're looking at maybe the top one and two in the world in terms of current form, like you're looking at England, a lot of folks are looking at United States. And then within maybe Toronto, the top five to top 10, you've got other teams who could potentially disrupt either of those number one and number two teams uh, on any, on any given day. And France is one of those teams um, because of the talent that they have. So the reaction to this was as expected shock um, and a lot of, you know, question marks around how and why this is happening. And I would say specifically, you know, maybe on the American side of things, you know, for, for the casual American fan that maybe is only really tapped in to United States women's national team mm -hmm. information and news and games and things like that. Maybe they aren't um, aware uh, because once the statement happened, there was a lot of reaction to that. And then just shortly following that, there were other players who made uh, similar announcements uh, to to Renard. And there was, that's what I mean when I said we wanted to just sort of pause the breaks and wait and see because was it really a retirement? The word was not really used in terms of translations of things. Uh, when it came to Marie Antoinette Cototo or uh, Diani releasing these announcements, similar phrasing, also referring to Renard as their captain, you know, saying, hey, following the leadership of my captain, we too are going to step back. We just cannot compete in these environments. Um, and it was, uh, it's incredibly brave. It's, yeah. It's, it takes a lot of courage to essentially stand up in, in the face of your federation so close to a World Cup. So, so brave of these players. And I think that was the response that I'm, I'm going to say that Renard wanted to kind of elicit across the world that yes, so close to the World Cup, I'm stepping back from international football because I I I can't do this. I can't support the current system despite being just months away from a World Cup where she could go to a World Cup and and compete to be the best in the world that she decides to step away. And I think it also speaks to the type of leader that Wendy Renard is to her teammates to then have very immediately to other very big players in Maria Antoinette Cototo and Diani to step away as well. I think it speaks a lot to what this French Federation has been going through these women's players and how much they respect Renard and how much they respect each other going through with this. I mean, um, incredibly brave, incredibly brave. And then we're seeing other international players from around the world supporting Renard's decision, yeah. um, right? I mean, Ada Hedgeberg was one of the players that came out, a former Ballon d'Or winner, a Lyon teammate of Renard, saying that she supports this. Um, and Ada is a player that stepped away from her Norwegian national team for many years before coming back into it. Um, there's, just, there's a lot of distress happening at the international football level. Um, and I think right now we're in a very unique position in, in the history of women's football where we're seeing some incredible steps and strides being taken in terms of certain types of funding or, or how many debutantes are going to the World Cup this year. And there's so many bright spots in the 
world of women's football right now because the gap is closing between talent at the highest nations and some of the debutantes of the World Cup this year. But there's also such a dark side to it as well where these players are are not able to fully be themselves. They're not being paid equally. They can't express themselves. They don't feel safe. They don't feel supported by their federation, by their employers. And now we're seeing these players speaking up and saying that they will not put themselves through it. Some of the French players saying that it's it's a mental health thing, that they're going to step away from France football for the time being. Uh, but not entirely clear off the bat, but I think a little bit more clear now that it's not a retirement from the game. It's more just that they are removing them from a situation that they don't feel comfortable in and they don't feel well-respected in yeah. uh, with their employer in those positions. You know, I was a little – I was curious as to – how the news cycle was going to develop because once we saw that the statement come out from Renard and then we saw a couple other players follow suit, mm -hmm. I was, I was curious if this was going to be something that was similar to, or perhaps mirrored what we saw from Spain. And I remember when we did our episode about that, when we recap the news of Spain, so that was a little bit more, I don't know, calculated and organized. And it was something that those players, Spain national teams players, it was evident that they wanted to try and handle this on their own. They did not go to media with that email uh, announcing the 15 players who will not, you know, accept call-ins until change happens. This was all done in, in an email chain. It was all it was all organized. It was the same email from all 15 players, and it was to specific uh, members within within the federation. And it was the federation that put them on blast. So when we're talking about f France, and when I saw this statement from Renard, and then we saw the other statements from Katoto and Diani, I was kind of like, "There's there's some differences here, but right. there's still a lot of common threads." It's so, there's I don't know what it is about the months that build up to a World Cup where you find players at their wits end. And I, I think we're asking ourselves, like, how did it get to this point? Right. I think I think the timing is is not at all surprising because it is the lead up to the World Cup. These federations are asking more and more from their players every single day, the closer they get to the World Cup. I, I mean, despite not having equal pay or equal funding or e equal situations and support from your federation, your federation still wants you to win and do well. But they're just going to try to get everything out of you. Uh, without paying you for it, without treating you fairly. So I think that is why we see so many of these breaks happening right before, uh, and I mean breaks in foundation happening right before major tournaments because the federations are asking so much of their players and these players are are wanting to be in those high-pressure situations to play for their nation, but they're not being treated fairly. And I think that's really kind of what it comes down to. And with these French players, um, Katoto, Renard, they're saying that they're unhappy with the management of this team under the current manager, um, which Renard and uh, Corinne Diacri had, had a bit of a back and forth, right? I mean, uh, Corinne stripped Renard of her captaincy. That was in 2017. And then she was finally named captain again in 2021. And Renard is this center back that has been prolific it's it's like the epitome of a center back is 
Renard, Wendy Renard. That's that's who you think of. So it's been ongoing, but I think the cracks in the foundation get so big when you lead up to a big tournament like that. And that's why we see it happening just months before the World Cup. And I wouldn't be surprised if there continues to be more cracks and more news that happened over the next few months. No, absolutely. And I think like you could sort of look at this, this French, this, this France national team. And yes, we're sort of at the, what feels like the the tip of the iceberg. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's getting a lot of headlines because of the, of the player that is dominating when somebody like Renard, but when you're mentioned the and you're mentioning 2017, I mean, this is, I don't know how more on record a player can get when they write about that experience in their book. Renard had an autobiography come out. She detailed that experience talking about like a first camp under Diakri, where she was like, yeah, you're not going to be the captain anymore and how that's uh, devastating for a player like that. But you try to move past it and and try to move forward. And unfortunately it just sort of seems like those relationships just never got off to, to good. They didn't get off to good starts and they essentially didn't improve, but this is just Renard, right? We've, we've, for folks who aren't aware, I mean, there's a long timeline here of uh, players who have been omitted from rosters who have no longer received call-ins into camp for uh, France's national team, uh, whether it was somebody like a Gaetan Tiny, we've heard from Amandi Henri, Eugenie Lysomere, we've heard from before in the past. I mean, Sarah Buadi was was the, the longtime goalkeeper mm-hmm. of this team uh, and had a lot of responsibility both for club and country, right? So primarily the the goalkeeper for, for Lyon and once upon a time for France. But in a similar fashion, Buadi has been estranged from this team. Right. Similar took a similar stance that I, I can't, I've got to step away and uh, you know, we'll we'll revisit this in, in the future. You know, so there's there's several players, I think, when you're looking at the entirety of Diaki's time with with France and the fact that it has escalated to this point in 2023, months ahead of a World Cup, and now your captain, she was eventually, Renard was eventually given the captaincy back um, in 2021, but you essentially have what is the current captain saying, you know what, I'm out. (laughs) It's not not worth it. Not worth it. To go through these experiences anymore. Yeah. Five months out from a World Cup. So we were were curious about if there was going to be, you know, like, again, if there was going to be another shooter drop. Uh, The the France Football Federation did have a response. They said that they wanted to, you know, have a... you know, a meeting with these players and an executive committee would try to address those issues at hand. And this was supposed to take place uh, Tuesday, yesterday, February 28th, yesterday at the time of this recording, not a ton of uh, updates. Um, you know, uh, football president Noel Legret has resigned. Uh, and then that is just like perhaps a whole other episode in itself, but there's a lot of very disgusting reporting and details around his resignation and inappropriate behaviors towards women, et cetera, um, sexual harassment, bullying allegations, all kinds of disgusting things. Um, but there hasn't been uh, exactly a decision that has m- been made about Diakri and her time with this team. Yeah. And the clock is ticking. The World Cup is months away. Yeah, I, yeah. Basically, the football, the France Football Federation was essentially going to decide about Diacre's position in this meeting that happened yesterday, Tuesday, February twenty eighth. But because the president resigned and 
uh, stepped away. So now we have the FFF vice president stepping in as the interim president. They basically said, okay, well, we can't fire Diacre yet at this point because we just lost our president. So we have to put out that fire first and, and get some semblance of who's in charge and structure back at the Federation um, before we continue to, to move forward with what's specifically happening within the women's team. Um, they they also made an announcement saying that the group was to form a decision about Diacre, the, the head coach of the women's program, by March 9th. Um, that was reportings coming out that I saw out of out of football. Yeah. So there's just a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving pieces. And and clearly you can see from the way that the players are protesting up front and making it very um, public on their social media accounts and saying, we're not supporting this. And then the president retiring and then them not being able to make a decision. Like there's, there's a lot happening under the scenes and it is far from perfect. And there's a lot that needs to be fixed and strategized and, I think that for so long it's been put on the players and a lot of pressure and they've taken the brunt of it all. And when the players stand up for themselves and say, hey, we're not going to do this. We're not going to put ourselves through this. I'm, I'm taking this myself out of this situation because I don't want to be in it. Yeah. Everything starts to crumble around them, um, which yeah. is sad to see, especially five months out from the World Cup. But it has to happen. It yeah. has to happen to rebuild and move forward. I mean, we saw it in the NWSL two years ago, 18 months ago, that you have to really strip things down uh Get rid of everything and then rebuild if you can, making sure that all the pieces are correct and the bones yeah. are good. We're witnessing it like in all facets of the game. Like you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned like the last couple of years covering NWSL. I mean, we're just a, a couple of weeks out from a Sheba Leafs Cup that we were covering and taking a look at those games. And, um, you know, with Canada's uh, national soccer team, they wanted to engage in um essentially a strike. They were threatened with litigation by their federation and then had to turn things around a little bit to protect themselves and say, okay, well, we will play these games, but we are playing them in protest, right? So we covered that throughout the entirety of the She Believes Cup. Um, they went ahead and they competed. They unfortunately didn't win the competition. I believe, if memory serves me correct, they ended up in third place mm -hmm. uh, in, in She Believes Cup. And uh, that's another area where we're like, well, what's going to be the next step here with with this journey? Because that's a federation that has had some issues on on, on both sides of, of the pitch with with each of their national teams. Um, and we've had a recent, maybe something similar to France football. There was also a resignation for Canada soccer president. Uh, Nick Bontis has resigned, but within his resignation. He's also been appointed new VP of, of CONCACAF. So, like, that's also, like, an equally very frustrating component to all this is where you're look. maybe people are looking for accountability or someone to accept responsibility, like, in order to take those next steps, which will eventually hopefully lead to things like back pay that is owed to these players and then some sort of uh, resemblance of, of equity for mm -hmm. the pay disparities between them. And then you see a resignation and you're like, OK, but they're still going to be involved within the region in a pretty significant role. It's it's like, you know, half a step forward and then five steps back. It's it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, uh, but it's it's something to pay attention to because it just sort of feels like that's just one component of all these things. So whether it's Le Grat for uh, Le Grat for for France or if it's, um, you know, Bontis for for Canada. I think it's just like phase one, right, for, right. for some of these things. And hopefully uh, we'll get to see 
um, some changes for these teams in the months to come because the next time these teams are supposed to get together, it's supposed to be in April. Um, yeah. And it's funny that we're talking about the two of these these national teams specifically because these two national teams <laughs> – where their players are going through a lot of hardship at the moment, they're supposed to face each other in April in this yeah. window. So Canada soccer announced an April 11th friendly against France in Le Mans, you know, and we'll see what happens. There's, there's a lot of things to keep an eye on here uh, before April uh, comes around. Yeah. I think it's important that it, it is both of these t- sides, right. That are supposed to play each other in April. And I, I think when you look at a, uh, Canada soccer and and the federation there with the women's national team of Canada, they have tried to, to go as a team, right. And as a, as an united front of players to say, we're boycotting, we're not going to do this. Um, and the French players decided to go at it a little bit more individually. I don't know which is right or wrong, which one's going to work or not. I think it also depends on the players, the federation, uh, how it works. But the fact that they're set to play each other, um, that there has been support from other federations or other players internationally around the globe for both of these nations, whether it was wearing the purple armbands throughout She Believes Cup or, or any nation during that international window or now other players speaking out in support of Wendy Renard and the French Federation. Um, this is a big story and this is a big overlying issue and there's not that much time for either of these federations to figure it out because the world cup is around the corner not to mention these april friendlies that are coming in just over a month from now and you teams have to be able to play in the lead up to the world cup and and compete in high competition if they want to do well not be sitting in zoom meetings and board meetings and negotiations and discussing their rights of equal pay and fair treatment um it it's a lot there'll be more of this story unfolding and we will keep everyone up to date and filled in on it because there's a lot that's going to continue to happen yeah, stick with us. We're going to chat about uh, some awards, and we know how much you all love to hear us react to uh, the award season. So we're going to take a quick break. Stick around. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, let's talk about FIFA's best awards. Uh, Like all awards seasons, uh, a lot of the winners uh, earned a lot of reaction. Everyone loves to to chat about who won, who didn't win, why. Uh, But we got to talk about best player. We got to talk about best goalkeeper, best coach. We got to chat a bit about uh, Fifth Pro Women's Best World Eleven. Uh, let's maybe start um, with the big three, and then we'll go into sort of who rounded out 
the the starting eleven. Uh, best coach uh, Serena Wigman won for best coach. Mary Earps won for best goalkeeper, and best player Alexia Puteas taking home a second consecutive award. Uh, Mary Earps, let's chat a little bit about uh, her time with the Lionesses. Listen, I think everyone remembers the very epic summer of soccer that took place during July. And I think maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, Wigman in, in the same breath that right. there were going to be a number of uh, representatives of the England women's national team within these awards just because of the very, very, very epic run that they went on um, during July. Uh, the reigning European champions, um, they are, in my opinion, the best team in the world right now based on form alone. Oh, yeah. Um, I think if you want to also take a look at record, you could look at that too. Uh, pretty much undefeated in their time uh, under uh, under Serena Wigman. So um, she's also probably a probably the key catalyst, right? Maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, Wigman's time as, as Lioness coach as well. Uh, has sort of really turned around this program a little bit. Lioness is, you know, they're a they're a national team that has had some talent. <laughs> For quite some time. Um, last time the United States saw them in a World Cup was literally just in the 2019 World Cup in the semifinal, a uh, 2-1 win for the United States. And they went on to win that uh, that World Cup. Um, and it just sort of felt like that, that Lioness team for a long time was just sort of missing a little bit of something. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's funny what happens when you sort of – go out and make the right coaching hire at the right time. And it just sort of feels like everything is coming together for the Lionesses at the exact right time. And uh, you got to love that feeling heading into a World Cup. You have to love that feeling. I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's really, really cool to see. I mean, when you look at Serena Wigman, right, 2022 UEFA Women's Champion, they won the Arnold Clark Cup in 2020 and 23. Um, this is a team that is the best in the world right now in my eyes. Um, and it is it is because of a coach like this in Serena Wigman. It, really fantastic to see. But as you talked about a little bit with Mary Earps, goalkeeper of the year, well-deserved, right? I mean, not only a standout with the Lionesses, but also um, in her club play with Manchester United. It, this is a player that kept 10 clean sheets throughout 2022. Um, in the Women's Super League. So 22 games and 10 clean sheets. I mean, and not to mention Mary's play during the the Euros. It was, it's fun to see. This is a very dangerous English side. And I think it's very proving that coach and goalkeeper have won the best awards from this team alone in, in England. And then, of course, you mentioned Alexia Puteas as the FIFA best women's player of 2022. Um, this was, this was a lot. I mean, there is a couple different players nominated for this. One of them being the United States women's national team and San Diego wave player, Alex Morgan, also England's Beth Mead, but Puteas wins. I want to know everyone's thoughts in the chat. So what, what do oh, you think boy. about this? What does the chat think about, uh, the winner of this award? I'm look, I'll, I'll start. I'll put myself on blast. I'm good with yeah. it. <laughs> I'm good with it. I'm really fine with it. Um, I think, uh, in terms of the buildup to this award, I think there was more discourse around that before you actually got to the three finalists. 
Um, and I'm disappointed to not see someone like a Sophia Smith involved, you know, into the, into the finalist category. I'm disappointed to not see someone like Sam Kerr, um, in the running for, for the, the three finalists. Um, I don't know if people need to be reminded of this, but I think they might the best award. Uh, the consideration for this award takes place from the day after the Olympic final, which is in August in 2021 to the day of the Euro Euro final, which is in July of 2022. And before Puteas had that devastating injury that actually took her out of the euros, uh, she was actually playing a lot of kick-ass soccer. So when you're looking at that timeline, I'm actually really thank you quite okay with this. Um, I think there's an argument to be made, obviously, about Beth Mead, um, just because when we're looking at the trio of awards here, herbs for goalkeeper, uh, Wigman for 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 coach, you're thinking, well, maybe this is going to be a full lioness sweep, but that wasn't the case for for this uh, for this award. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to note about um, when the player needs to be competing in order to be qualified for this award. Because yes, Puteas did suffer a horrible injury and hasn't been playing uh, since that injury and will continue to be out for several months. But this award goes back to before all of that happened, right? She had 11 goals in Champions League. Uh, she was the golden boot winner in that Champions League. She was named UEFA Women's Player of the Year um, ahead of Beth Mead. I think that Puteas deserves this. I agree with you completely. I'm, I'm not on the camp that, hey, she was injured. She shouldn't because that's not when this award takes place. Yeah. Now, that's a conversation for next year, and we'll get there when we get there. But as of right now, I think that Puteas deserves it. I think that second year in a row, it is impressive to watch this player. I've, I've really missed her right in the last several months because of her injury and because she's been out. Um, but massive for a player like this to come in and win it, not once, but twice back-to-back years. It is it is so fun to watch Puteas play. 100%. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, and I'm in agreement in that we'll have to pay attention uh, to, to the process leading up to the best, like who are going to be the finalists, who are going right. to be the final three, and then who actually uh, takes home the prize. It's also just interesting to note that when it comes to uh, voting for, for this award, you know, you get the, the national team head coaches and the captain of those national teams allowed a vote within this process. So it was very mm-hmm. cool to sort of see kind of how the global world when it comes to the coaches and the players kind of view um, the, the voting process. So um, it was interesting to sort of see different coaches. I, I know folks were looking for, uh, you know, how Becky Sauron voted or how Black Gordonowski voted or how Wigman voted and, and so on and so forth. Um, you could definitely check out the links. They're, they're online. The internet is free. Uh, you could go ahead and or Google is free and you can go ahead and, and take a look at that uh, because we want to, chat a little bit about i need to write that down the internet is free yeah well if you go to a library i guess but yes. um, definitely free. so let's chat a little bit about um the the best 11 because this is going to give us an opportunity to maybe highlight a few more players when it comes to the goalkeeper position christiani endler getting the goalkeeper reward there and then we've got defenders lucy bronze maria leon leah williamson and wendy bernard for the defender core midfielders alexia puteas kira walsh and lena oberdorf and forwards alex morgan sam kerr and beth mead so an interesting trio mm-hmm. uh i think in the, in the top lines it's sort of it's like hey you've got alex morgan who you know went on a 
goal scoring terror um, just last year. But I think we're looking at the timeline as things. Uh, she also had a bit of a career year with Orlando before she made that exit to to uh, to San Diego Wave. But it's interesting to see both Morgan and Mead on here as they are both listed as finalists. And but the inclusion of Sam Kerr as well, who was not. Um, and who did not end up being a, a finalist for uh, the FIFA Best Awards? So, just sort of interesting to know. I'm look. I think you're looking at that middle three, and that's a. <laughs> I think a case could be made for somebody like Kira Walsh to 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 be amongst the the best players in, in the world for for this uh, for this award moving forward. Um, but not there in in this year's edition of it. But yeah, the inclusion of, of Kira Walsh and, and Lena Oberdorf uh, within this this midfield, I think, goes without saying. Yeah, I think it does as well. Um, I think it's very interesting that Mary Earps, Manchester United, England, she wins goalkeeper of the year, but she's not on the best 11. Um, it's it's no disrespect at all to a, a goalkeeper in Endler um, out of Chile and, and plays with Lyon. But just interesting kind of how this thing it shakes out and how it all goes. Of course, you see uh, Wendy Renard from... Olympic Leones and, and France in that back line. We talked a lot about Renard and, and the French Federation throughout this episode. So um, it for those that didn't know her name, and, and she is named to the world's best 11 as a defender, um, I, I think it's pretty interesting. Alexandra Pop, not named to this yeah. list. I think some of the players that stood out to me, Bright, in the back line, um, yeah. London and, and with Chelsea, that was a little bit surprising to me. I think Alexandra Pop in the forward group, uh, Dabinia, I think I would give a shout to that player as well. There's just so many talented, so many talented players. But then when you look at Sam Kerr, Beth Mead, Alex Morgan, like who would you take out, right? It, that's what oh, the man. decision always comes down to. If you have to add someone else in because you think they were snubbed, who would you remove from that list? And I'm just not sure. I mean, the case for Alex Morgan is impressive because her 2022, or her, yeah, her 2022 with San Diego Wave, Golden Boot winner in the league, like just going on a run. Yeah, I think she deserves to be in this conversation. Um, Sam Kerr, Beth Mead. I mean, we talked about Beth Mead with uh, the the best women's player and, and Sam Kerr right alongside there. But we, Hey, what about pop? I'm just going to throw it. No, in no, I'm with you. I mean, I think that was one of the things that people were reacting to as well. We saw Becky Sauerbrunn's votes uh, for, for Morgan. Right. And, and that also included uh, a vote for pop <laughs> as, yeah. as well. So, yeah, I mean, look again, if we're, if we're throwing it back to the euros specifically, we got to see a lot of great uh, international competitive soccer within that tournament alone. And I think uh, Oberdorf, obviously, on there as, as part of that, but to, to Nazi pop, I think um, it is a, is a case that you can make, you know, for, for her. I, I think I remember what, covering and watching uh, during the summer how devastated we all were to, to know that she was going to be out of the final for the Euros, you know, with pulling out during warm-ups. And we're like, oh, no, like, what's that going to mean after she'd worked so hard to come back to finally compete in a Euro, right, um, after battling some injuries for so long. But listen – it's a, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's it's a it's award season. Um, it it ha- this happens every year. It happens through the final uh, the the nomination process. It happens through the finalist process. Um, everyone thinks you know someone should be in or someone should be out. But I like the way you 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 frame it. Like if you have it in front of you, here are the winners, mm-hmm. right? So who are you actually rotating out to get someone in? It's curious. You know, I, I look at it too. It's like if, if I'm kind of like, oh yeah, I really would have loved to see Sophia Smith. Well, who am I taking out? Like, yeah. Line. You know, it's. I, it's I don't um, think Smith is there yet. 
it's I'm going to be honest. It's so, a beautiful time we're living yeah. in. It it's truly champagne problems we're yeah. talking about here. Hundred percent, you like it. I love it. But that's all we've got for you today on Attacking Third. Thank you all so much for joining us and listening along. Download, follow, and listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us too. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third. We will be back with even more content for you all. So stick around and stay tuned. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third.